Hey now, and welcome to Quantum Drive. I'm Rob. I'm Katie. And our ongoing mission is to discuss every episode of The Orville. Today we are talking about Season 1, Episode 10, called Firestorm. It is written by Cherry Chivat Pravat Dumrong and directed by Brandon Braga. Before we get into the episode, we have no new reviews this week. But remember, if you would like us to read a review on an upcoming episode, all you need to do is go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes. They're one and the same now. Go to Quantum Drive, leave a five-star review, and then write a review below, and we will most likely read it on an episode in the future. If you'd like to email us, ask us questions, or leave us comments, you can do so by emailing quantumdrive at thegeekgeneration.com. You can follow us on Twitter at quantumdrivepod, and you can hop into our Discord at thegeekgeneration.com slash Discord to discuss the show and other things. I actually recently updated the Discord and now there are channels for every podcast on the Geek Generation Network where people can discuss each show in a specific channel. Please come talk to us and send us things so we can talk back to you through the podcast. Yeah. Real time conversation. Let's do this. <laughs> All right. Before we get into the episode as well, we also need to talk about trivia. Oh, okay. Are you ready for this? I'm so ready. So when Alara is searching around for the clown in the cargo bay, I thought this was kind of cool. There are some musical cues that are similar to Jerry Goldsmith's main title from the Alien series um, from 1979. I didn't notice them, but mm -hmm. it completely makes sense to do that. Mm -hmm. It had very alien vibes, too. Oh, yeah. The cargo bay. Um, okay. So one of the things that I found that people have been comparing the clown that is seen at the end of the hallway when Alara first sees the clown is similar to the clown that is near the end of the movie Zombieland. Oh, I have not seen Zombieland. I love that movie. So I looked up a, like a picture and compared the two. They are very similar. One is okay. this, like it's a zombie clown. Oh, God. I hope spoilers. Should I say spoilers for spoilers in Zombieland? The clown at the end is a zombie. <laughs> Surprise. Shocker shocker uh but they do have very similar aesthetic i also saw some people comparing him to pennywise i didn't see that as much no not as much the mouth is kind of like wide and um exaggerated but it wasn't as pennywise to me there are some generic clown traits that kind of go from <laughs> one clown to another so there's gonna be similarities some generic clownness going on yeah when alara is fighting at the end the scenery and actions match that of Luke and Vader in Return of the Jedi. Really? Mm -hmm. I didn't. I see. I'm not that big of a Star Wars fan, so I didn't. I couldn't pick up on that. So I wonder if anybody watching it who is a big Star Wars fan would pick up on that. I did not pick up on it at all, but I am tempted to now load up the movie and do a side by side comparison. You should. If you do that, please report back next time and tell us. Will do. Will do. Okay. And according to this book that I have that I tend to read quotes from and stuff, um, it's called The World of the Orville. It's by Jeff Bond. It's pretty darn cool if you're a fan of the show. It says that there's two clowns that are actually terrorizing the ship. However, I was trying to pay attention and I only saw one clown, but I'm wondering at the quick cuts in the cargo bay if there were two, in fact, two different clowns. Hmm. If there were two, then there's zero evidence left in the episode of that fact. I only saw one clown, so if, if anybody did see two, please tell me on Twitter that you saw the two clowns. So in this episode, Ed says that it has been six months since he's taken the command of the Orville. And in the first episode, or no, in Old Wounds, which is the first episode, correct, mm -hmm. if I'm remembering correctly, we found out that Ed assumed command in September of the year 2419. So okay. that means that this took place in March of 2420. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we're clearly not going in a real-time situation here. No. Because this is episode 10, mm -hmm. which if it was like a weekly thing, not only is that a lot of stuff to happen in 10 yeah. weeks, but yeah. And I think I don't think Star Trek really went that way either. I never really no. like tried to line up star dates or anything. It didn't matter to me so much. No. For me, neither. I just thought it was interesting that it's only been six months and everything leading up to episode 10. There's been a lot of crazy things that have gone down. Mm. So because like you said, in Star Trek, I never sat down. It was like Stardate this. Let's see where it pans out. It was just a matter of it's always interesting to see the time progression in shows because it's never fully discussed. Right. Especially in shows like this. Yeah. 
So the original title of this episode was Nightmares. Makes complete sense. Mm -hmm. I think Firestorm or Nightmares would have been fine. I would have loved Nightmares because it's more of that Halloween aesthetic that I love. So (laughs) yeah, I think it would have been if they had that title come up, I think it would have been too much of a tip off right away that they were doing a horror themed episode. Yeah, that is true. And Firestorm does work. I mean, obviously, obvious reasons. The Mm -hmm. Firestorm was a big part of this episode. So one of the things that was cool about this is Brandon Braga, who directed the episode. Obviously, we saw a lot about the simulator in this episode, Mm -hmm. too, which I thought was really cool. And so Braga said the first image of the episode that Seth came in with was Alara running on a moving floor, almost like a treadmill and the environment of the ship moving around her. It's something that shows you how the simulator works if you were watching from the observation deck. That's the pivotal moment of the script where we reveal to the audience what's actually happening before Alara realize it. We knew we were building to that. Mm. So I like that quote because I thought it was cool to. I love seeing like we didn't really see much about the simulator until now. Right. And just that how complicated that system must be for her to be able to run. And like the environment, like when you really think about what a simulator is, it's a square room. Yeah. And how they move around. It was it was kind of a neat. I didn't have to headcanon it. I got to like see how it actually works. Yeah. I always try to figure out kind of scientifically how things would make sense. Obviously, you can't go 100% because that's why it's science fiction. But Mm -hmm. to have one person be in the simulator and actually seeing all the stuff that was happening there and then people in like an observation deck who couldn't see the other stuff is super confusing to me because Mm -hmm. why wouldn't they see that as well? Like, what is it that is... What is Alara in or around right now that's allowing her to see it that's different from the people there if they're looking at the same stuff? It's such a weird question to propose. It was weird to me that you could be having a simulation and somebody could just be on an observation deck watching you. Mm -hmm. And there are things that I don't know, like you could do anything on the simulation deck. Like, it's kind of weird that somebody could just come in and be like, all right, I'm going to see what's happening. Yeah. Be like a, a voyeur's fantasy i don't know it (laughs) just it just seemed maybe it's just for high clearance people who need to get in there but that opened a lot of questions for me about the observation deck fun fact about uh seth mcfarlane and adrian palicki they're both deathly afraid of spiders oh did not know that i'm not a fan i'm not a fan (laughs) of spiders either so (laughs) i think they're fine they don't bother me so much i don't i don't get that i don't get that at all they kill other insects I know, but they're scary. Have you seen them up close and their little creepy legs and their eight eyes? I assure you I've seen spiders. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look closer next time. All right. All right. Makeup designer Howard Berger, he created, obviously, the makeup for the monster clown. And he had this to say about it. I had Seth Austin, the actor who played the monster clown, go to K&B effects for life casting so we could make sure the prosthetics fit him and would move with his face accordingly. I wanted to make that grin big and unnatural. So we took an idea from The Walking Dead and built dentures that fit into his mouth and sat on the outside of his lips so we could change his anatomy. Oh. Which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Just, I love special effects makeup. And so when I read that, I was like, oh, I love that they use K&B effects, first of all. Because they really do cool stuff for movies. But I just was... I was, I don't know, I just love seeing that. And then when I watched the show, I was like extra paying attention to the clown. And the clown is freaking creepy. Super creepy. They did a really good job with that makeup. They did. So I thought that was a cool, I'm just, it makes me so happy that, because I love The Walking Dead for so long that K&B effects is just, anytime I see they're involved with anything, I get, I fangirl a little bit. <laughs> when Grayson goes into her room, and falls into the black hole, essentially, mm-hmm. or almost falls in the black hole. This is kind of a continuity error. There's a large red mark on her forearm, but when she gets pulled out by Alara in the next cut, the mark has disappeared. Oh, something I'll have to look for as well next time mm-hmm. I rewatch. I see continuity. Like, that's one of the things I hate about myself is that I notice continuity errors to a painful extent. And so if someone's arm is just slightly above and then they cut to a different shot Mm -hmm. and then it's like down at their side, I'm like, and the last fun fact I have is that Alara is horrified by the fire when she goes into the engineering room, right? Mm -hmm. And she froze up. However, in the Krill episode, remember when her panel caught on fire and she put it out? 
Mm-hmm. So sometimes I rearrange the episodes <laughs> in my head a little bit. So I just thought I saw that and I was like, holy, that's very true. Because that I feel like would be more alarming because it's kind of, you know, right in front of you. Yeah, it wasn't like a as big a fire, but it was in proximity, very close to her. Yes. So those were my fun facts from this episode. And I have two guest stars that were of note. So Alar's parents are played by... Two actors, one named Molly Hagen and one Robert Picardo. So Hagen um, had a guest star role on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Mm -hmm. And uh, Picardo, everybody, I mean, if you've seen any of Voyager, Star Trek Voyager, he plays the Doctor. And of what I've seen of Voyager, he is my favorite character. So this is another way that they've introduced more Star Trek actors into this show, which makes my heart happy. And he is absolutely fantastic on Voyager. Like you said, he's he's such a great character. Mm-hmm. I I need to watch more Voyager, but of what I've seen, Doctor, the Doctor is the Doctor is just <laughs> yeah. my fa- Doctor. He is my favorite, and I I I don't know. I just love how you know there's shows like this, but they're just new characters, and I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just saying I love Star Trek and the Orville, and I'm going to stop talking now. <laughs> okay, <laughs> uh, let's talk about the episode then. Let's do it. We begin with the Orville passing through a massive plasma storm as bolts from the storm are wreaking havoc on the ship. In engineering, Lieutenant Payne gets trapped under a bulkhead. Alara runs down to help, but on the way encounters a burst of flames and hesitates. After regaining her composure, she gets to Lieutenant Payne, but not before another piece of debris falls and kills him. I got major Next Generation vibes during the engineering scenes. Mm Mm-hmm. Just whenever they're in Star Trek The Next Generation, whenever there was like the ship being attacked and they would cut to somebody like getting rocked by a panel or something. I just that was very nostalgic for me. But okay, I had a question, though. Why is engineering so messed up and the rest of the ship's like fine? It could have just been I mean, they were in the middle of a plasma storm and they're getting hit by bolts of lightning, essentially Mm -hmm. plasma lightning. So if it struck that particular area of the ship, it's a very directed Thing instead of just affecting yeah. everything that is true i just noticed alara running through like a perfectly manicured ship and then she gets to engineering and <laughs> they're all like gritty and it's hot and fire and stuff but it's almost like if they got hit by a plasma torpedo in that one mm-hmm. area that's true okay so that was just something i had noticed and another thing i noticed is she once again has failed the crew meaning alara <laughs> just because the fire she froze though um i think in retrospect, now that I've seen the full episode, it was a good setup for this whole lead in to mm-hmm. what we we're about to watch. Yeah, it's a good cold open. Mm-hmm. The one thing with the scene that stuck out to me that was a little strange was the debris that she pushed out of the way. Mm-hmm. Very much foam pieces by the physics of the way they moved. So I don't I don't necessarily understand why they would have her just like push him. She's also supposed to be the super strong alien. And yes, they needed her to push him. But like show that strength and make it look more realistic by having her lift the piece and like throw it or something so that the physics were a little different. I agree. We my husband, and I watched these together and I did notice it just kind of looked like she picked up a styrofoam. Yeah. Or pushed a styrofoam thing, maybe some little little extra sound effects or a grunt like as she picked it up or something would have enhanced that because that was something that pulled me out a little bit but i always do that thing where i'm like they got to make you know it is obviously probably styrofoam Mm -hmm. and i usually give a little leeway because i'm like they gotta well yeah you do but the fix for Mm -hmm. that is the performance yeah the performance is supposed to make it look a certain way and it just didn't happen with this one yeah this one I I noticed that also. Hmm. Captain Mercer stands before the crew to address Lieutenant Payne's death. He introduces Chief Engineer Newton to deliver the eulogy. Everyone was so emotionless. I mean, I know Alara was clearly kind of beaten up, but Mm -hmm. I was like, no one's crying. I mean, and so in my head, I was like, in the future, is this a different protocol for funerals? Or since you're in technically the military, it's like this is a funeral now. I think this was more of like the formal announcement and yeah, kind of like a, like they even, they did do a quick eulogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It does feel very emotionless, the whole thing. And you would think that that person would have more friends there. Well, yeah. you like the chief engineer. He's like, this is my best friend. And he was cracking jokes. There was no like, 
you know, sometimes at eulogies, people will crack jokes yep. and like people will there'll be a somber laugh, but there wasn't like anything. Yeah, nobody. Yeah, it was a little weird. Yeah. And so I, I thought that was different. Um, and in my head, Canon, I decided that it was because in the future and maybe people trying to be brave because they're technically in the military. It's mm-hmm. like protocol. People just don't have emotions in the future. <laughs> yeah. People are emotionless monsters in the yeah. future. <laughs> Frustrated by her inability to save pain, Alara takes her anger out by boxing in the environmental simulator. Dr. Finn tries to comfort her by saying that the first fallen debris would have probably killed him anyway, but it's not enough to make her feel better. I get that because like she probably does feel responsible because she stopped, but I felt that Alara's response to it was a little emotionally immature, Mm -hmm. which I think plays along with the fact that she is younger and she's not experienced as the other crew members are. So I think that kind of fit for her character. Mm -hmm. But I did, I was like, you know, these two senior officers are pretty much telling you like, he was probably already dead or going to die. Yeah. But it is, you know, her responsibility to act and she couldn't act because of the fire. Yeah, it is the second episode in the season devoted to Alara's emotional immaturity. Yeah, which I feel like I'm trying to think through the rest of the characters. and I don't believe any of the other ones have any issues like this. Doesn't seem to be. It seems like they're focusing more on her for these kind of stories. Yeah, which I think is almost a disservice to Alara in a way because she is the security officer. I agree. And it, it does make her seem a little bit unreliable and inadequate to do her job. Yeah, but I think that's the only way it works kind of here, yeah. at least, because... Mm-hmm. That That is her job's role. And if she can't do that role, then is she going to be a proper security officer? It's why mm-hmm. she uh, decides that uh, actually it's the next scene. Okay. <laughs> now, believing that she's unfit to serve, Alara enters Mercer's office to deliver her resignation. She explains the situation, but Ed refuses to accept it and suggests that she find out why she had such a strong reaction to the fire. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense. Like, she probably should investigate that, Mm -hmm. you know, and it was probably something, too, where she went down engineering to act and then she was caught off guard by the fire. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's not like she's like, I've known about this fire fear for ages. And it's a self-discovery episode. Yeah. About, you know, Alara figuring out her strengths and weaknesses. Mm -hmm. Alara contacts her parents, who clearly don't respect her decision to join the union, calling her things like slow and intellectually deficient. Although upset with their attitude, she powers through to ask them that there's anything that might have happened with her and the fire as a child. Her mother tells her a story about how when she was a baby, a house fire almost killed the two of them. It was Alara's cries that alerted her mother quickly enough so she could get them out in time. How awful her parents talking to her, which also might have some insight into why she is a little bit more immature Mm -hmm. than her colleagues. I feel feel like yeah they essentially called her slow and they called humans the hillbillies of space Mm -hmm. this was the first time i felt really bad for alara like really sympathetic and i think it did a good job i mean i wanted to love the parents because i know both the actors and i'm like they're so great but they were such jerks to her and i mean growing up with that kind of anything from a parent is awful and then to still be like and she's an adult essentially Mm -hmm. and to have them talk to her that way that really was bothersome but it apparently when she was a baby obviously the fire scared her and that's the root of it but i just i couldn't get over how they treated her i gotta give alara credit too when this is clearly standard salayan culture Mm -hmm. and she doesn't treat anybody like that no it's clear, like it's clear that Salans don't join the military mm-hmm. or aren't known to do that, and that what she's doing is very out of the mold. But her parents' expectations of her and the way they speak to her—no wonder she left. Yeah, I mean that's what I my takeaway. That was the real horror of this episode. Her parents. <laughs> <laughs> Soon after, while walking through the corridors, Alara encounters a clown who runs directly into her before disappearing from sight. This was really—you couldn't. I don't know. They could have messed this up. And that clown was creepy as hell. And when he leaned forward to run, that was icky. I did not like that. So that made me think of something, that lean, because I've seen Mm -hmm. that before. That's not 
I don't know if like what the background. I know it's a a stunt person who's mm-hmm. the clown, and I looked into his background a little bit, but I don't know if he was an athlete and stuff. When I used to do track, that is one way that you would start your approach for the jumping mm-hmm. events. Is you would lean into your first step because it got your momentum going faster, and you had a limited amount of range before you had to go make your jump. So it, it wasn't the only way, but it was a very popular way to like start a faster approach. Yeah, but it was creepy in this context. It was. Yeah, this clown, and the, and he's running at her, and in my first initial thing was like, oh, he's gonna like disappear right before run through her, and when he hits her, I was like, ew, I do not like this. The fact that it is actually something that can physically interact with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did. Mm. Clowns don't usually bother me, but like with the resurgence of like it and Pennywise and things, I never really watched that stuff growing up. But I there's something with clowns that just I think are unsettling is unsettling. And I think I get it now. Clowns don't bother me. It's the demon clowns that do like mm-hmm. <laughs> but you can do that with like so many different things where you make it where you take something that's supposed to be happy and you make yeah. it evil and all of a sudden it's like twice as creepy yeah and i think the like this is the first time we see the makeup mm. i think this is it's clearly not a normal clown but sometimes i see pictures of clowns from like children's birthday parties and i'm like that's a demon clown i don't care what you say <laughs> and yeah, so they did a good job setting up the tension yeah. with this. She then heads to the bridge to ask Captain Mercer to relieve her of duty. She thinks that seeing the clown is a sign that she's lost her mind. They check the security logs to verify Alara's story, and as it turns out, there was, in fact, a clown. The scans also confirm it. I just love the whole banter about clowns mm-hmm. and how hobo clowns are the most dangerous because they're hungry. And John stuff. is so good here. Oh, I, yeah, he, this is probably one of my favorite things he, John has been a part of, mm-hmm. but it really was interesting to me because I think right after this, they kind of like all went to look for the clown, Yeah, which I get, but I'm like, they, the whole ship goes down to look for this clown, like everyone on the crew. I don't know if it was absolutely everybody, but yeah. anytime there's something important to do, the senior staff is always involved because that's mm-hmm. who we care about as viewers. I know. But I just thought it was interesting. I'm like, because the clown technically didn't do anything. It was just creepy and it ran at Alara and disappeared. But then I, th- yeah. So I just thought that was interesting that it was like, everybody look for the clown. I mean, it's a mystery that needs solving. Yeah. So it's a high it's a priority. Clown. They don't know how it got there. That's a security risk. Mm-hmm. And it's a clown that runs at you and has a scary mouth. So and I get it. And could have pies, seltzer bottles. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought, like, I thought it was interesting because when Seth MacFarlane was delivering that line, I could kind of tell that maybe he was trying to not laugh a mm-hmm. little bit. I could be reading into that, but I was like, that's such a silly line to have to, like, it felt that way. deliver in a serious way. He knew it was way. as silly as, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the crew divides into teams to search for the clown. In the cargo hold, Alara encounters it again, and this time it attacks her. The clown gets her blaster and fires, but misses. Alara manages to regain it and fire back, vaporizing the clown. This scene was done really well. The horror atmosphere was really good. Mm -hmm. I mean, the dark, the flashlight and everything. And the clown was not just like a, I'm going to kind of run at you and attack you. Like the way that they did it was really good. Like he was fast and he disappeared and he appeared and he like was strong. And I just think it did a good job delivering on the scary factor because it could have very easily been like she punched him and yeah he got blown back into the wall and then he got it, her her phaser and it was really interesting because at this point i don't think we've seen phasers kill have we no i don't think so this i think this is the first vaporizing mm-hmm. and it was interesting to see that almost burn like burn like the sparks it was and- a good effect yeah, it was a really cool effect for how the phasers on kill work, which mm-hmm. is, it's beautiful, but awful at the same time. However, it was an evil clown, so I don't feel so bad about <laughs> liking how it looked. <laughs> and also not even a real one. Mm-mm. Yeah. <laughs> hey. 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 <laughs> at the time, I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Same. In the conference room, it's decided that the Orville will go to yellow alert while they learn more about what's going on. Later, Kelly is heading to her quarters. But when she opens the door, there's an empty void on the other side. 
Alara is able to grab Kelly and save her before she falls into it. This was way more terrifying than the clown, in my opinion. Oh, see, it wasn't for me. I was like, oh, that sucks. I mean, I'm glad she was able to. My thought is, like, she opened the door and just, like, blindly stepped in, Mm. which I guess makes sense because it's your home. Yeah. (laughs) But I just feel like, wouldn't you feel a different rush of air or something to maybe warn you that? I guess maybe it's too late. It's all happening so fast that. It was just a really interesting way to um, kind of see that go down. And luckily, Alara was there to pull her out. Only about a half step away. Mm-hmm. Believing that something might be wrong with the crew as a whole, Ed asks Dr. Finn if there's a medical explanation to what they're experiencing, but she's not convinced. Bordis comes in to inform them that there was an alligator in the cargo bay, but he crushed it. <laughs> <laughs> Bordis is by far my favorite, and... Even like earlier when he showed up for the simulation, he's dressed up in that like old timey. Oh, yeah. The Victorian outfit. The Victor. Yeah. Yeah. And just the fact that he crushed an alligator. I I do think it's interesting that Claire is almost negating it. Mm -hmm. But like Ed said, it's like a con like a shared conscious consciousness of the fear, like a brain disease or something. Yeah. And I thought, I don't know. I just thought like so far they've touched on so many actual horrifying things that for an episode that's horror themed there's something in this episode that will bother somebody oh absolutely yeah and that's what i like i i didn't remember the episode fully because obviously we'd watched this before a long time ago i didn't remember some of this and i was like damn this is more creepy than i had originally remembered it being for sure fair agrees to do a brain scan on each of them starting with alara however when alara's on the examination table Claire locks her in her restraints. Nurse Park enters sickbay and attempts to free Alara, but Claire shoots and kills him. Before Claire can cut Alara open, she breaks free and knocks her out. Nurse Park being killed was like the first thing in the episode where I was like, oh, oh my God. Like, yeah, the first time that I watched this and that happened, I actually was really sad. I was like, but I liked Nurse Park. And like, he's only been in like one episode prior. Just the last episode. He was mm-hmm. like kind of the hero of it because he came up with the the pheromone kind of yeah. stuff that they used from Derulio. So I feel like they knew it was going to be a gut punch mm-hmm. when Nurse Park went down. Um, that part made me sad, but I will say Dr. Finn, she the actress did such a good job playing a creepy as heck person because mm-hmm. I was uncomfortable to say the least. Where was everybody, though? Like, that was one thing. Yeah, but I think knowing what this episode is, mm-hmm. you can just explain it all in the very easy, like, oh, that's what they wanted it to be. I know. But I just kind of was like, if the whole, like, Ed was there and Bordis and let's do the brain scan, I guess it makes sense that they all left. But, like, it was dark. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it, they did. It was a really creepy scene. And I was gutted when... When Nurse Park went down. Same. The stakes were elevated at that point. After locking Claire in the brig, Ed interrogates her but finds out nothing. She seems to just be saying creepy things and taunting them. Again, kind of taking the performance that she just started and elevating it. This was the part that really disturbed me. Mm -hmm. She did a really good job at being an actual... It was very Event Horizon, Mm -hmm. if you've seen that movie. Just... It was cool to see the brig. That was something I was like, that is sweet to see, like, how the force field works and everything. Mm -hmm. But she was, even when they introduced humor with Bordis, she's like, get me a pizza. And Bordis is like, what kind of pizza? Like, (laughs) I was still like, this is disturbing because you see Dr. Finn as such a kind of, she's the good in a lot of this. Mm -hmm. And so when she just does a 180, it's horrifying. And plus, she's also the doctor on the ship, the chief medical officer. So, yeah. This was also part of the episode where I really kind of was questioning what was going on because it's the first thing that isn't just manifested. Like the clown appeared out of nowhere. The -hmm. void appeared out of nowhere. But now there's a member of the crew being affected and altered in some way. And now it's like different stakes. Something shifted in that scene where Nurse Park died and Claire almost got possessed. Totally. Back in the conference room, the senior staff is going over theories when suddenly a swarm of spiders fills the room. They run out and Ed grabs a blaster, but when they open the door again, the spiders are gone. 
They make a plan to take the ship back to the plasma storm to see if they can learn more. My favorite part of that whole scene is when <laughs> Kelly says, I'm going to talk out of my Fortis. And then Isaac says, please try to enunciate. <laughs> and I remember that being such that made me laugh so hard the first time I watched that episode that my husband and I quote it quite frequently. <laughs> and I forgot that it was in this episode and that just brought me joy. But the spider thing is awful and I hope that never happens to me. Yeah, same. The uh, thing made me think of Ace Ventura. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I just went down a whole rabbit hole in my head. Yep. Of very many scenes. <laughs> <laughs> As Alara and Gordon open a lift, they're attacked by a giant spider. They flee, but Gordon is knocked down and eaten before the spider runs off. She tries to make contact to the others that Gordon is dead, but no one responds. So for me in this, as soon as Gordon got killed... I knew that what was happening definitely wasn't real because as soon as they killed a member of the senior staff, Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, okay, like something, something is just an illusion here completely. Like it's not a lot of other things I thought it was because they couldn't really have killed Gordon right now. No. Yeah. I thought the CGI looked really good. It did. Yeah. I, I also kind of was like in my head. I was like, she's going to go after the spider and cut open its stomach or blow it up mm-hmm. open and Gordon's going to fall out. But that never that moment never came. Yeah. And then that's when I think I noticed and like the ship's lighting started to change. She couldn't communicate with anybody anymore. So this is where there was like a pivotal moment also in the episode where the horror shifted again mm-hmm. and it was clear she was kind of on her own. They were switching to the next fear. This one being mm-hmm. isolation. Yeah. Alara makes her way to the bridge to find it completely vacant, with the plasma storm once again raging outside. Knowing that the deflector shields must be raised to survive the storm, she heads to engineering where she finds Isaac. Isaac looks normal at that point. At that point, yes. (laughs) And I feel like it is a little odd that he's there and nobody else is. Mm -hmm. It just... See, that's when another thing in my head was like, there's something off about this. Like, why would Isaac just be standing in an engineering? Yeah. Like, he's waiting for her kind of thing. I had thoughts of all those TNG episodes where there's some sort of alien presence, whether it be on the ship or they're on another planet with one who's kind of basically generating a world or scenario for them. There's a few TNG episodes like that. There's Mm -hmm. um, Hotel Royale. Uh, where they get stuck in that like novel oh, yeah. of a casino. There, there's a few episodes that kind of go through a scenario like that. And I kind of suspected that's what was happening here. And I ended up being wrong here too, but <laughs> that's just what I thought of at the time. <laughs> yeah. I thought the lighting on the ship looked really cool mm-hmm. when it started to almost power down in a way or start looking like emergency lighting was on. Mm. And I thought I was just kind of in awe of the set because of how much time that would have taken to set that up. Yeah, different from the normal. Yeah, the LEDs looked amazing. The two plan to review the scanner logs to find out what happened to the rest of the crew when Isaac mentions that they should hurry to finish in case the alien creature returns. Talking about the spider, of course. Mm -hmm. Alara points out that Isaac couldn't have known about the alien creature and accuses him of being behind the whole thing. And then the two fight until Alara blasts Isaac. Non-vaporizingly, though. (laughs) Yeah. I thought the fight scene was actually really cool. Yeah, it was pretty good. Isaac was a savage fighter. He just got like a piece of metal and he was going to start hitting her with it. Yep. I thought the the fight sequences in this whole episode were pretty good. But it it was very um, intense and it felt more real because it was not sloppy, but just like brutal Mm. with the clown and then with Isaac. And that's another that at this point, I'm like, there's something up with this. Like there's this is not this can't be reality. Mm. It's got to be an alien presence or whatever. And that's before I, we found out she was in the simulator. But I just I don't know. I just felt like the fight was not I don't know. People who knew each other for super long time or long enough, like six months, just beating the crap out of each other. Well, alara has been through a lot already. So she's mm-hmm. probably at an emotional high right now. Isaac is just cold anyway yeah so if he if he's behind all this like she says then he's just gonna do anything it takes because and he doesn't care about who he hurts 
Also, we're kind of led to believe in this scene that Isaac is not Isaac. That is true. And this is the moment where, to bring back another alien thing, I feel like Alara goes kind of full Ripley. Yeah. <laughs> she kind of starts like her. She's all beat up and she's taking her coat off and she's got a gun and everything like this was the this is like the point where I was like, she's like survivalist sci-fi horror movie heroine now kind of gets that classic look. Yeah. We're then shown Alara from above running in a simulated hallway. Looking on are the real Mercer, Grayson, Claire and Isaac. Claire insists that they need to shut it down because Alara's adrenaline levels are through the roof. Ed gives the order. Isaac says he doesn't have the authority to do so as Alara has exercised Directive 38, which gives the chief of security absolute authority over the ship. Isaac insists that the only way for it to end is for Lieutenant Catan to complete the program. This raised some questions for me, like after we found out more about what was going on. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess it makes sense because she was like, we knew it was going to be shut down. You know, like we knew that we we would try to end this kind of thing. But I just to exercise something that big for like Ed says, it's a career ender. Mm -hmm. It just seemed odd in this scenario. It's definitely not what that directive was intended for. No, which to me also kind of showed that maybe it was another immature move on her part. Agreed. I un- I understand why she was doing it, but I also have questions about that. Once we learn here that this is Isaac's doing, that he, in the sense that he created the program, it made the mistake of Isaac in the program more unlikely. Yes. In the sense that Isaac doesn't make those kind of logic mistakes. So for the one that he was programming to also make that logic mistake didn't sit quite right. I wish there was another way they could have had Alara discover that something was off. Yeah. And like not to jump ahead. I just have like thoughts about the final discussion. Mm -hmm. We can get to that. Yeah. Back in the simulation, Alara fights Isaac again before securing a shuttle to escape. Isaac detonates a container that creates a wall of flame in front of the shuttle bay exit. After a brief hesitation, Alara flies through it and away from the Orville which is then destroyed completely by the storm. It's just blowing up. Yeah, I thought there was still kind of like a fight in the cargo bay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I guess the cargo bay, which I thought was pretty cool too with Isaac, but she confronts her fear and she goes through the firewall. Even if she's completely protected by a shuttle, but you know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, it's fine. But the thing too is that like it also, the Orville was destroyed. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is a pretty big moment, I feel like. And again, not to jump forward, but that also I have some thoughts about, you know, her reasoning behind doing this. See, I don't want to jump ahead. Okay, I just, okay. That's all I have about this scene. Sure, sure. The shuttle then vanishes along with the rest of the simulation. Alara is stunned to find out that not only was she in a simulation, but it was her own doing. Ed explains to Alara that she has to be put in a simulation that would test a variety of fears to see if any caused the same reaction as she had to the fire, so that she'd never be caught off guard again. A short-term memory wipe from Dr. Finn made it so that Alara would think the experience was authentic. It's not how you do things. It's not. So, she definitely has PTSD now. Mm-hmm. Um, she literally watched Gordon die. The Orville blew up. True. Isaac... I feel like no matter even if she knew it was all fake, she would have trust issues with Isaac now. Like, there's just so much about this that, like, shows it's an immature plan. Mm -hmm. And she should have been reprimanded for it. Oh, I agree with that. So, when at first I was like, why is she confused? Like, I literally was like, wait, why is she so confused about, you know, she set this up. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, like... She tricked the doctor to give her a memory wipe so she could do this. But if she had the memory, I don't know. There's just so many things that I just want, regardless if she wanted to uncover any fears that she may have had, this was not the way to go about it Mm. because she needed people to explain to her after the fact what had actually happened. True. What were your thoughts, Rob? I did like Bordis in this scene. (laughs) Oh, me too. I am feeling very self-conscious. May I leave? (laughs) He's still my favorite. Like I just, yep. As soon as he gets called out on his. What was his fear again? I don't remember. Was it isolation? No. 
Kelly's was isolation. I can't remember what Bordis's. Yeah, I don't remember what Bordis's fear was. I don't remember either. Oddly enough. Uh, despite invoking Directive 38 without just cause, Ed commended Alara for handling every situation that was thrown at her. And the final scene is of Alara in bed for the night smiling, which um, was a weird and unnecessary scene to end on. That would have been perfect for me as a horror fan is if like she's going to sleep and then for like a fraction of a second, like a clown like flickered in the background or something. <laughs> but I know that's not what like I was waiting for it. I was like, come on, show me that little Easter egg thing at the end. Yeah. But after what she had just gone through. Unless she had some sort of mental rehab, there's no way she would be going to bed smiling. No. She just literally went through hell. So I I feel confused about Alars in general because she is doing very immature and dangerous and psychologically what she did was wrong. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she could take everything on like a champ and she defeated her fear of fire and now is not super, you know, can take on a clown. It just feels like she really should have thought this through better just even with her constantly saying take me out of command like mm-hmm. she's just not ready so she should really not be in the position that she's in mm-hmm. for for senior staff to constantly be telling her that she's good at her job and to stop questioning herself is not how your security officer should deal with anything mm-hmm. the way it ends too with her laying down in bed like they could have cut this episode when she says see you in the morning like after the kind of debriefing Mm -hmm. and they had that scene that was like just on her face and they could have cut to the Orville flying in space as it normally is and then the end credits like I I understand and this was a thing Star Trek did too I understand the need to wrap everything up in 45 minutes and then kind of be done with this episode and then move on to something else so a lot of the times, even with TNG episodes, it did felt a little rushed at the end of episodes. You know, like, well, everything's wrapped up in a nice little bow and it's all really convenient and stuff. And, yeah, they do that here, too. But I can forgive that. But it, mm-hmm. it, it was a really odd scene to have her like just laying in bed and smiling. That was I don't know. It just didn't work. Well, especially for the fact that it wasn't just it was psychological horror mm-hmm. that was affecting her and like. Gordon watching him die, mm-hmm. Isaac being a double agent, if you will. It just doesn't seem like a pep talk in the captain's office would really be the thing that makes you go. It just seems like whatever people tell her is what she goes with that day. We've run into that before. <laughs> so this is this is not new behavior for her. Yeah. So there's just stuff about Alara where I really want to like her, but she really is not adequate for a security officer job and she's just not making smart decisions she overrode security protocol so she could put herself through a simulator that she wouldn't even remember after she got out of it oh the simulator she remembers she remembered like that she set all this up not that she set it up but she remembers everything that happened in the simulator yeah but what i mean is that she doesn't remember that she set it up oh to no be in the doesn't. simulator yeah. like so she doesn't even remember doing um directive 38 just all these things that are not decisions to be taken lightly. Yeah, she cleared her conscience of all the things that she shouldn't have done, except for the mistake she made or the hesitation of, mm-hmm. quote unquote, letting one of the fellow officers die. Yeah. And so the fear might have been real or more authentic because she didn't remember that she did it. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like we're in the future now. There has to be other ways where you can do like cognitive behavioral therapy or something to confront things, put yourself in different scenarios to see what scares you and what doesn't that. I mean, because also this, the main security officer was out of commission mm-hmm. without memory of what happened prior. Also true. Yeah. Like what happens if another situation comes up and she's stuck in this program until it ends? Mm-hmm. So there's just th- those are the things that I just the ending did kind of tightly wrap it up with a little bow and stuff but it wasn't how i feel it should have Mm. like been wrapped up because it just felt a little bit after that stuff i would need therapy for years (laughs) that many things all at once probably yeah Mm -hmm. yeah with all that said (laughs) 
What's your big takeaway for this episode? It was a really good horror episode. Mm. Like, I thought it was really well done. The fears, it all flowed very well. I felt like from fear to fear, it never felt jarring or like, oh gosh, we're not, what's happening? Like, it was very buildable tension and I really liked that. And I'm a sucker for scary things. I feel like this was fun to watch. Mm -hmm. Didn't love the ending. Still a little disappointed in Alara's decision making. But overall, I, I did like this episode and I I liked what they did with it because like they had they've had like somewhat themed episodes. This would, would be like a horror movie themed kind sure. of episode. And and I just it could have been done really, really not well. And it was done in a way that was enjoyable to watch. It wasn't super scary, but it was creepy and it it held up its own scare factor. I just maybe didn't love how Alara's just kind of OK at the end. Mm. Or that her decisions weren't reprimanded. She shouldn't have done that. (laughs) I agree. I think this is a fine episode. It's probably like a mid-tier one for me. It's not like one of the better ones. It's certainly not one of the worst ones. It's a fine episode. It's There's nothing necessarily hugely wrong with it. And it's a fairly enjoyable mystery as you're getting through a lot of the stuff. Like we said a lot of times, it does continue to highlight just how immature and unprepared for this job alara really is and yeah she ended up handling all the situations the simulation threw at her but that does not discount how irresponsible she was for invoking directive 38 in the first place as ed mentioned too doing so for no good reason is a career ender and she was just like well i have the ability to do that so i'm just gonna do it and whatever happens happens like that's No, that's not the way that you deal with these things at all. From a storytelling perspective, I thought it actually kind of hurt the episode a little bit to do the reveal before Alara completed the simulation. So when they do the cut, I know it's the you read. I didn't know this until you told me at the beginning that that shot of them in the observation room looking down was kind of the first thought of what they were building to. Mm -hmm. But I thought showing us that early kind of took away a lot of the tension from everything that happened after it, because now Mm -hmm. we know as the audience. So they could have tried heightening the tension by having Dr. Finn showing the concern for her, but it didn't equal the tension of knowing what was actually going on. So getting that reveal early made everything just a little less interesting. Like in my brain, if you take that scene out and I I, I guess that they kind of wanted to explain Directive 38 before talking to her about it, but they could have done that later on. Yeah. But if you pull that scene out and we're left wondering until after the Orville blows up and then right and then the, the environmental simulator turns off around here and you're like, wait, what? Yeah, it would have been more of a mind trip for us as a viewer. And I would have appreciated that more. Yeah, I think it would have been more um, not memorable. The episode is pretty memorable. Like, I feel like like when Nurse Park dies, it would have been another gut punch. Mm. Like, uh, oh, my God, what? They just blew up the Orville and then she falls out of the shuttle. And then it's like before commercial break, Ed comes in and is like, I can't believe you did this. And then they come back and explain everything. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that it would have been it was an interesting choice to do it that way. And I think it was an unconventional choice. Mm-hmm. But I think maybe there was a lot to explain with Alara for how she did it. Mm. So I'm wondering if they just needed it for time constraints and to have it flow that maybe. Although I think if they just kind of took the time, if they remove that scene, you get a little extra time and just move that exposition to the end when they're having the meeting and kind of they're explaining it to her anyway at the end. Yeah. So why not just add a little on there? And I, I agree though. Like if they had, it would have been pretty crazy reveal if she fell out of the shuttle. And I, since I had seen this episode before I went in watching, like I was going to see if I could find the moment where she entered the simulation and where the reality mm. stopped, but there wasn't ever a clear moment. No. And I think that's very much on purpose. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense because then as a viewer, you can't go, oh, that was weird. Like, what's going on? Yeah. But since I knew about it going in, I was like, I'm going to try. But there was nothing because it was pretty seamless. I I do think that having an ending that was more of a big reveal would have been better. But then there's still all the stuff we need to explain about Alara. Mm. So ultimately, 
just fine. It was a fun episode. Yeah, it's totally rewatchable. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's different because I was I was slowly deconstructing as going through the episode as to like what it could possibly be that was causing this. And mm-hmm. never at any point was I like, oh, she's in a simulation. Yeah. Like not a simulation in the sense that they're in the environmental simulator and especially that she did it to herself. So it's a nice twist at the end. I just wish it was a twist that had come as the very last thing that we saw. Not not very last, but right before the explanation as to everything. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can see that, too. I think that would have been a really interesting choice. And I think it would have been more of like a <gasps> thing. Yeah. Which was kind of negated, but it was more like, what's going to happen to Alara now? Is she going to get in trouble kind of thing? Right, right. The stakes were totally different at that point. It just kind of changed it. Yeah. So before we get out of here, as we always do, Katie's husband, Mark, is a big fan of the Orville as well. And will leave us with his one sentence review. Intellectually Deficient Salayans is the name of my new indie ska band, and our first album is called Hobo Clowns Are the Most Dangerous. Quantum Drive is a production of The Geek Generation. If you like this show, be sure to check out our other podcasts on The Geek Generation Network at thegeekgeneration.com. If you'd like to support the show and get access to exclusive bonus podcasts along with other perks, you can visit our Patreon campaign at thegeekgeneration.com slash support. You can follow Quantum Drive on Twitter at Quantum Drive Pod and me at the Rob Logan. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayKatiePlay and on Twitch at KatiePetersPlays. And Katie is spelled K-A-T-I-E. Please rate the show and write a review on Apple Podcasts. If you do, we may read your review on an upcoming episode. Finally, questions and comments can be sent to quantumdrive at thegeekgeneration.com. We're out of here for now, but we'll see you soon in In the the future. future.